Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hi, guys. This is Marnie. Welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And we have got a terrific program for you here today, Leadership Training with Leslie Schoenfeld of uh, DragonflyMinistry.com. During this hour, you're going to learn how to invite, engage, and inspire 20-somethings, or our millennials, our younger generation, and so many of us in ministry and business and life are having a problem probably knowing how to connect with these younger people. They think a little differently than uh, the uh, just a generation before them did, let alone a few generations. And Leslie is here today to help us learn an easy way to draw millennials into our sphere of influence, how to develop materials that encourage um, other people to do the same thing, the secret to engaging this generation for more than a few minutes, uh, new ideas for connecting with the way they think and the culture in which they live, strategies to help us get started and keep us going, seven Bible relationships to use as models, and also three critical questions or considerations to ask before you start working with millennials. So as a women's ministry leader, Leslie Schoenfeld desired a multi-generational ministry. She found mentoring was the key to reaching the millennial generation, and her book, Legacy, explores relationships with this generation. Her website is dragonflyministry.com. Welcome to you, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me, Marnie. I'm glad to be here. Well, and I'm really excited to have you. This is a a talk that's already generated uh, a lot of conversation online just because whether we're in ministry or even um, like at our businesses when we're hiring the younger people, we're finding that there's some serious differences <laughs> between our generation and theirs. And it's just, uh, it, can, it can really be uh, maybe even discouraging if you don't know what you're looking at, if you don't know how to handle it. So I'm super excited to talk about this. And I think I want to just go backwards a step before we dive into the training part here and ask why you decided to focus on uh, a focus on on reaching the millennials yourself. Well, first of all, I'm mother of three millennials, so I needed to understand them. And um, then the other thing is, is I kind of came into it backwards. I had one young woman ask me to meet with her for coffee, and then I noticed that I couldn't transition some of these women that I knew into our events at our church. And so I finally sat down and talked with them and said, what is keeping you away? And I've really learned that there's some really unique characteristics about them that seem to be fairly universal, that if we understand that, we can bridge that gap. It's very difficult for them to trust. They really, really honor authenticity And they really, really honor community and relationship. So we have to figure out a way to meet them in their culture in order to um, put our two cultures together and be one community. Can you just address that backwards, and then we'll dive in here, but address that backwards. Um, When we we would say it, uh, it's difficult for them to trust, uh, but Mm -hmm. they honor community and relationship. So then we might say backwards, we would maybe say that they possibly have a difficulty being authentic, but that's why that's drawing them to people who are? To a certain degree, yes. 
um, I think more of it is, is they've seen in when I, the older generation, and when I say that, I really mean anyone older than 30. Um, so to them, you know, there's a big difference between what is older generation and what is not. But anyway, what they're looking for is someone that they can truly trust because they've seen people in authority not be trustworthy. There's so much information out there um, of that counter facts one to the other that it's hard for them to know what the truth is. So what they're looking for in you as an individual or me as an individual is, am I trustworthy? And I just go back to scripture and what Jesus said, show yourself trustworthy in the little things and be the same person out in public as you are at home. Let them see that if you're going to be there at a certain time, you're there at that certain time. You know, if you're going to do a certain thing, you do it when you say you're going to do it. And that starts to build a trust in them. Many of them are from um, broken homes, and that's just a matter of our society. It's not necessarily a bad reflection on how they've been parented. It's just they don't know what they can trust, and so they're very leery to trust. Yeah, it, it reminds me of being uh, in a vehicle with some 20-somethings, and the word was poser, um, mm-hmm. that, that were you a poser or were you real, were you authentic? And mm-hmm. I, you know, that bubbles to the surface with them uh, that, and, and part of it, I mean, I experience this when I go online to find an answer to something, uh, there might be 30 answers and it's very difficult to identify which is the right answer, like compared yeah, ex- to which is just hearsay or opinion. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Well, let's go ahead and talk about an easy way that you've found to draw millennials into your own sphere of influence. Okay, well, that is through mentoring, and I originally started understanding that this was needed when I met with a group of young people in our church, and one of the things they said is that felt invisible, that people would just walk by them on a Sunday morning, for example, and not notice that they were there. Now, of course, we did notice they were there, but I assumed if they wanted to talk to me, they'd say hi to me first because I figured they wanted to be with their friends, not with a 50-something-year-old person, you know. And then what actually happened was they were waiting to be acknowledged. So it's important that we let them know we are interested in them and that we really want to hear what they have to say. And we do this by building uh, relationships one-on-one. And um, this brings them a sense of belonging. And once they feel that they belong, then they're more likely to be part of your community, whether that's a church community or a business community, they really need to know, one, you recognize them, and two, you want to hear what they have to say. I know this is really true in a business setting as well. Um, Our kids oftentimes will uh, have a suggestion or an idea, and they, it's like testing the water, you know, are you (laughs) going to hear me? Are you going to take this seriously? And you can't always do it, but you can definitely let them know that you heard them and then follow up with them when a decision is made and maybe even with the reasons why. Yes or no, that that was happening. Um, So when you talk about uh, mentoring, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe define define your – go ahead and define that the way that you are using it here. Great. Yeah, and um, Titus 2-3, of course, we are told that the older women should teach the younger women. 
And really, when you read that whole chapter together, you realize what they're talking about is living life together. So it's important that we understand that mentoring isn't an individual calling or gifting for a certain type of woman. All women can mentor. And uh, millennials want to feel wanted. So one way of doing that is inviting them into a mentoring friendship with you. So it really is developing a friendship. Um, You can use a program, but oftentimes those programs that you develop are too canned for them. They're not sure of the authenticity like we talked about before. It's them. They really want to build relationships. So there must be time for them to have discussion when they're entering into whatever group you're designing or whatever individual one-on-one relationship you're designing. Because the whole goal is to lead them into community. Hmm. So how do you actually help uh, people develop material then? Well, there's a couple of different ways. Of course, like you mentioned, I did write a book about it. But it's also important to understand that um, we can invite women to reach out to younger women in all of our, our activities. For example, I do a retreat every year, and I have one portion of the retreat that's always about caring for the next generation and simply teaches to reach out and talk to them. Your mentoring relationship develops first by just saying hello and knowing their name, and then if there's some sort of chemistry that develops, you can go further into uh, meeting one-on-one, um, doing different activities together, inviting them into maybe even participating things with your family um, to the point where they become kind of like a spiritual daughter to you. Now, not every young person you greet is going to become this kind of relationship because um, that would be a little difficult. But at the same time, as we each reach out to a bunch of different ones, each one of those will find the person that fits to them. Right. Okay. So when you have this relationship that goes a little bit deeper, then mm-hmm. um, do you, does it does it usually naturally segue into some kind of a Bible study or something like that? It can. It really depends on uh, the need of the individual. Um, it. Just, I know that sounds a, a, a little strange, but when we get into the other part about the different biblical models that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, you look at the individual and what their needs are. One of the young women that I was mentoring for a while was interested in becoming a women's ministry leader. So I was um, looking at the biblical aspects of that. Another young woman was uh, getting ready to take some bold steps in her own missionary work, and she just needed guidance and, and assurance that she was making the right steps. So we do look at the Bible in it, but it's more casual than that. It's more of an encouragement relationship. Um, If they have those kind of questions, then I ask them to bring those questions when we meet and we'll discuss and delve it from a biblical point of view. How, How formal do you actually make this, or is it all very informal? For me, it's informal, Um, and that's because it needs to be, have that feeling of authenticity with the individual. Um, so we don't say, okay, you and I are now in, well, we do say we're in a mentoring right. relationship, but we don't say, 
So we're going to meet Tuesday from two to four every week. And in that time, we're going to do this goal, this goal, and this goal. Instead, it's more of where are you in your life? What is it that you want to concentrate on? Another young woman I meet with is a young married. She wants to know more about having a healthy marriage with her husband. And uh, so it kind of fits to the individual what you're going to do. If you only have one area that you feel confident in and delving in, then that would be the area of the kind of woman that you would seek out. The other thing that I really stress so with my mentees is I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I'll walk through it with them to help them find the answers, that I will be there to um, hold their hand as they're going through whatever difficulty they're going to, because only Jesus has all the answers, and, and I don't want to pretend that I can be an expert in all these areas. Yeah, it's really good. This is Marnie Swepper. We're visiting today with Leslie Schoenfeld of DragonflyMinistry.com, the author of the book Legacy. We're going to come right back and talk about the secret to engaging this generation for more than just a couple minutes and some new ideas for connecting. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, If you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with our guest, Leslie Schoenfeld of DragonflyMinistry.com, talking about how to invite, engage, and inspire 20-somethings, our millennials. And sometimes this can be a real challenge for people in leadership and with ministries and businesses. So, Leslie, let's talk about a secret for engaging them for more than a few minutes because it is so true. (laughs) We are living in the Twitter mentality when, you know, everything has to be fast or it's just history. Absolutely. Yeah, with this particular group, again, I've mentioned this before, they will not initiate with you. So you have to reach out and try to initiate with them. They gladly receive you if you go up to them. It's amazing to me how quickly they respond. Uh, After introducing yourself and they introduce yourself, try real hard to remember their name. I know for me, my memory is not the best. So I'll do something, I'll write it down or whatever, so that the next time that I see them, I can call them by name. This initiation process or initiating process really draws them in. Um, It's a very slow process, and we need to be patient because, again, it goes back to building a trustworthy, trustworthy reputation with them. So um, the secret... The secret to engaging them for more than a few minutes is is to initiate with them and know their name and then initiate again, <laughs> call them by name, and keep that process going until you can start engaging in a full conversation. They probably won't have a full conversation with you the first time you talk with them, 
but as they start to recognize that you keep seeking them, they will. Okay, so the difference then is possibly, uh, A, that they don't ever initiate, uh, and that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a general blanket statement, obviously some of them would, but uh, more, more likely they won't initiate. And secondly, that it's going to take multiple connections before we start getting to a conversation point. Yes, hmm. absolutely. So have you found that there's, uh, you know, we have our own, all of our cliche things that we do, you know, how mm-hmm. are you, how was your week, uh, like that. Is there, are there things that work better with millennials? Um, yes and no. Again, it is up to the individual. Um, I have found that remembering what they talked to you about before, like, for example, if you did say, how's it going? And they say, oh, I'm really stressed out because of school. And then they give you a specific um, test they're going to take or something like that or or their job. Then the next time you see them, let them know that you prayed for them for that particular thing and then ask them how it went. Because that's very personal that you heard what they had to say. So being personal and remembering, reflecting back what they said to you in the first encounter will really help further that process. Hmm. So what are a couple ideas for connecting in a way with them in the way that they already think or in the culture that they live? Well, we know that mentoring or building relationships is a very biblical process, but it has to be done a little bit differently with them. And again, I think we can easily be discouraged when it doesn't like the first time you might invite somebody out for coffee. They're like, oh, no, I, I don't think I can or I'm really busy or whatever the excuse they give. Sometimes they really are very busy. But the other thing is, is remembering that they, they aren't quite sure who you are and what you're trying to get from them. So it needs to be continually done in a way that allows them to feel safe. Then after you've initiated that and they feel they're safe with you, let them talk. Ask them a few leading questions like, how is school going or how's your job going or what are your future plans or do you have any prayer requests? And you will be amazed at how much they share with you. They love to be heard because I think this is a really loud society now and it's hard for them to feel one significant and two that they make a difference. So how do you feel like this differs from talking to someone in their 30s? Because we all like, you know, to talk yeah. to you and we like to be heard. <laughs> so that is very true. Is we, all like to, we all like to be heard, but there's something significant up to them um, to be able to know that they can kind of bear their soul, I guess. They're looking to get personal quicker once they are. I said it's a long process to get to that point, but once they are to that point, they'll tell you everything probably more than you want to know, <laughs> but that's okay. And I think a lot of times for older people, what they want to share are some of the great things that are happening in their life. Or if it's an intimate relationship, you know, you will share a prayer request or a concern. But with this younger generation, they are looking for that one or two people that they can be authentic with, that they can build relationships with, and that can encourage them to step out. One of the things that I've noticed about millennials is many, many of them have been told that they're going to do great things when they reach adulthood. Well, now they're in adulthood. They have this 
essence in them or this feeling in them that God has planted something important for them to do. But either they're, they're not sure what they do, but what to do, but most of them know what they're supposed to do, but they're insecure about getting started. So they need that launch and that encouragement to take those first tiny steps into that bigger picture. Encouragement goes a long way with this group. It also, um, they also need to be reminded that it's going to take hard work. What I realized even with my own son, who's very bright and did very well in college, um, and he was told at a very young age that he would do great things for the kingdom of God. At one point, he turned to me and said, um, so is God just going to do this for me, or do I have to participate in the process? And I said, no, you definitely have to do the hard work to get where God is calling you to be. And I think somewhere along the line, either we didn't teach them that or they missed that part of the puzzle. So it's encouraging them to do that hard work. Hmm. It's interesting. That really resonates with me that this generation does feel that they have been called to big things. And I have no doubt that they have been called mm-hmm. to big things. Um, we are in a season of history where, where um, the end of times is coming, you know, the end of the mm-hmm. world is coming very quickly, I believe. And, and I do think I see this also in, in so many of our young people that they have a big vision or they have a big dream or they feel like they should <laughs> and mm-hmm. they don't quite know how to go about it. And so this authentic living with them um, is a place where they can watch kind of us battle through the same kind of challenges. I mean, I, just earlier today, Leslie, I, I was thinking, well, I watched God do something very specific for me earlier today. And it was a little bit of a surprise. It came, it came at a time I wasn't expecting it, but it was such a specific answer to prayer. And I thought, why do I ever doubt that God is working in my life or working through me? Uh, but yet, even after years of walking with God and seeing what I would have to just call miracles, on, uh, you know, pretty frequently, I still really oftentimes struggle to believe that he is uh, as good as he says he is, that he has good plans for my life, that he's taking care of everything. It's my job to walk through it with him, but he's in charge of it. You know, all of these things are difficult for me, and it's much more difficult for someone who's been with Jesus for a shorter period of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I have found in um, even though I go into these relationships trying to remember that this is not about me, I'm there for them. I get so many blessings because when God does those big works in their life, I get to be part of that process. And I'm blessed as well because I see someone that I care about dearly who has just had the most high God does something amazing for them. So um, it, it, it really is a win-win situation, even though you definitely don't go into mentoring to get something for you. Right. So what are some ways that you can connect or that we can connect with their culture? Oh, um, some great ways is to be on social media. Um, it, it, in understand the things that they are interested in, like, um, they don't really watch TV anymore. They're, they're on Netflix. They're, they're on YouTube. Understanding the different YouTube um, shows that they're interested in watching. All those different things. Now, you don't have to watch them yourself, but you have to be aware that it's out there and aware that how that 
uh, fit their culture. So I'm not talking about hours of investing and researching these things. It's more like asking them what are they interested in, why do they listen to that uh, blog, read that blog, or listen to that blog, and uh, what is it on social media that they're interested in, um, and interacting with them on that realm as well. Now, I don't, I personally uh, am on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I interact with them on those places as well. Oftentimes, they will write something in those areas uh, that's about their life. And even if you don't bring it up with them, you can pray for them as they're going through that. But it also gives you an idea of the pressures that they're experiencing and the world they're living in, which is very different than the one we grew up in. I was just thinking yesterday I connected with somebody and I said to her, uh, it was over the phone, and I said to her, are you doing okay? And she goes, why? Do my Facebook, do my Facebook posts make it sound like I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> and I cracked up and I said, actually, I don't know. I didn't see you on Facebook today, so I don't know, but <laughs> I was actually just checking with you. But it is interesting how um, they do kind of expect that we see it. That, uh, that we do see it. And you can't see everything. At least I can't see everything. No, no, you but can't. At, at, the, at, the, at the same time, you know, to go to their page sometimes and to see what they're posting is a helpful uh, tool in the relationship because they posted it because they felt like it was important. Absolutely, yes. And, and another area that's a little bit different from our generation, I think um, I'm in an evangelical church, and a lot of what we did coming up in our 30s and 40s is to draw people into the church. That's our, that's our vision. That's our purpose. Bring people in, bring people in. And that's great. Reverse of that, this generation says, no, let's take the church out to the people. So they do a lot more outreach or living in community with people that are in need. Um, they take the church to the people. So it's a little reverse of that. So um, that's another area where you can go and understand their culture is to participate in those outreach activities that they are participating in well. And they will really respect you for that, too, because to them, that is being the real church. I was thinking when you were talking earlier about, you know, uh, some of the difference, you know, these kids are used to living out loud on Facebook and on social media. They just they like there's not really the filters like we're used to a lot of filters and the kids now they just share everything right mm-hmm. out there a lot more than we're comfortable with and mm-hmm. one of the things that's important to do and this happened um, earlier this week my son posted a video of him doing a, a huge a big climbing excursion uh, mountain climbing and they had no ropes and it made all of us very uncomfortable. Uh, my daughter right away responded, "Don't do that. That's making me. That's making me too scared." And and um, you know, and it was interesting to see our responses to him doing what he would have done, whether we saw it or not. And I think that that's one of the keys for success in relationships with young adults is to recognize that if they do share something with you, it's not so that you can correct them and direct them it is so that you can share their life and obviously if you have something you know that you need them to know about that there's a place for that but if you keep doing that all the time from the beginning 
uh, it will shut down the relationship. They'll, they'll turn you off of their Facebook page and they'll turn you out of their life. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I, I talk about um, when I'm teaching this to a group of women is to really understand you engage there to encourage them. You never correct, <laughs> never correct, especially online. It is, if it's something that you are really concerned about, then you talk to them face to face, one-on-one without an audience. And um, they may have valid reasons for what they're doing. And it's funny that you would bring that up because this generation also risking is very important to them. And um, your son doing that climbing, that is, I look at it, you look at it as a risky behavior. He looks at it as, no, this is normal life. This is how I want to live my life on the edge and be thrilled. And um, recognizing that in them is important too because, it embraces who they are. I do like to help direct um, some of the women that I work with as to make sure that they're not risking for risk sake, but they're risking because they feel God is calling them because he will call us into areas where we have to risk. And we can learn from them by watching them do that as well. Hmm. So true. So true. And that's, that's really great. And I think, I think the key, the key is that it's not that we can't say anything about anything. That's not it. It's that it's, the unusual time when we are bringing a word of caution to them and when we do, that we extend to them the, um, the honor of being an adult. They are an mm-hmm. adult. They, they do have to make their own decisions. We cannot make those decisions for them, and we can't deal with the consequences that they'll have for them. And so just to be having that uh, equal plane of interaction with them where we're not the parent, they're not the child. Yes. <laughs> that, that's that's you know, in a mentoring relationship, you do have this elevated sense of responsibility, and mm-hmm. sometimes it can be uh, can be to the detriment of the relationship instead of just where it's good. Well, this yeah. is Marnie Swedberger visiting today with Leslie Schoenfeld of DragonflyMinistry.com, the author of a book called Legacy. We're going to come right back and talk about some strategies to help you get started and keep you going, as well as some Bible relationships to use as models. We'll be right back. an author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible join us at marnie.com for author training you will learn how to write it well get great graphics attract an agent format it for e-readers get good reviews connect with libraries and market via media all over at the author training at marnie.com check it out today Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you're joining us for Marnie's Friends. And we're doing leadership training, how to invite, engage, and inspire 20-somethings. Our millennials, our guest today, Leslie Schoenfeld of DragonFlyMinistry.com. Leslie, let's talk about, uh, before we go into the strategies about getting started and help you keep going, let's mm-hmm. talk about what's reasonable. Um, so I have a ministry where I mentor millions of women around the world. I mean, that's like it's, it's 
uh, I, I don't get to sit face-to-face with them. I don't get to uh, do the kind of mentoring that we're talking about here today. And yet I am their mentor. They would say that to me. They would say, mm-hmm. um, you are my mentor. And so uh, I think that what I want to talk about is in the way that you're talking about mentoring to- today, what is reasonable for uh, a an individual, what's reasonable for a church women's ministry to look at as saying, um, you know, we really want to include millennials. We really want to dig deeper into their lives, help them more than we are. What's reasonable? You mean as far as how often to meet and that kind of uh, parameters on your relationship? Yeah, or even or even how many women one uh, one uh, woman could consider mentoring. I think every woman who starts, I do believe every woman should mentor at least one woman, but just one woman. Um, especially if you have any reservations, you want, you don't want to take on a whole group of young people and then not be able to keep up relationships with all of them. So I would start with one and see how it goes. And if you only ever just mentor one woman at a time, that's fabulous because you are impacting that one woman. Um, I personally meet one-on-one with uh, six women that are in the millennial age range. And then I have some other women that are older that I meet with as well. But I don't meet with them, all six of them, uh, in one week. It's spread over a month's time. And for some of them, they don't want to meet even once a month. It's farther apart. But then we will also uh, discuss things via text, on the phone, or social media, uh, and interact in that way. Or, and of course, if we see each other out in public, like church and things like that, we always talk as well. Right, and, uh, I, a, and I think that, that there's there's other there's another aspect of that too. Uh, mentoring relationship will go through stages and phases mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's more intense. And then there will be seasons when either the person moves away or they have a baby or what things change. And you mm-hmm. can't, you can't say, well, we were doing it this much before we need to keep doing it that much always. Right. I have found what's more important than making sure we meet so many times in a given uh, group of weeks What's more important is putting on uh, boundaries for myself so that these young women know that I'm not available 24-7. Now, they are welcome to text me in the middle of the night, but they can't expect that I'm going to answer them in the middle of the night because I probably won't even know that they did. And um, I make it clear to them in a very loving way that if I don't answer right away, it's because I can't. It's not because they're not important to me. And by letting them know, that sounds a little silly, but by letting them know, then they know if there's a lack between the time that they contact me and the time that I get back to them, it's not because they're not important. It's because I was um, involved with something else that I couldn't be interrupt, interrupted. Well, um, and Leslie, I actually, I actually think that that is, it's really important to make that boundary clear. And it is a generational difference. Their mm-hmm. generation simply does. If I text my kids in the night, they get it in the night. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you have to be careful because um, the, the younger generation does tend to want to see those right away, want mm-hmm. to react right away. And that's a generational difference that it's okay for us to say, I'm not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll even occasionally, one of them might forget that I'm at work 
and I, I will uh, take a moment and just text. I'm at work right now. I will text you after, you know, four o'clock or whatever time it is, just so they know I got their text, but I can't have a conversation right now. And um, yeah. that, it, it's just a way of acknowledging that they're there, but it's also a way of saying I, I have a job to do here as well. Hmm. So great. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the seven Bible relationships to use as models because this is so important. Yes. Yeah. This uh, mentoring is throughout Scripture, as you know, and I looked at at the seven different um, pairs um, as I was getting ready and, and looking at exactly what does it mean to be a mentor. And it's what's interesting about it is that each one of these relationships that we're going to talk about have a specific purpose to them. So it's important for we as women to know that God has gifted us a certain way and gifted the young mentee that we're going to interact with a certain way. And we don't have to be all kinds of mentors for that one individual, but we can look at the situation they're in and look at our own way we've been designed and see if we fit into some of these different characteristics that um, we saw in the pairs of mentor mentees in the Bible. So the first one I looked at was Moses and Joshua. And they are amazing um, example of leadership mentoring where Moses's job was to help raise Joshua up to be the next leader of the Hebrew people. And what I find and my takeaway from this relationship that is just so precious to me is that Moses really instilled in Joshua that yes, his relationship with Moses was important, but his relationship with God came first. And so we can take from that example that we need to show Maybe we'll be teaching leadership, but more importantly, we need to make sure we instill in our young uh, mentee that they have God and their relationship with God is first. He hears them and they can hear him as well. And I love that in scripture, we see that Moses will go into the tabernacle uh, with Joshua and they spend time with the Lord. And then Moses would come out to meet with the people and Joshua would stay in and spend more time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. That was the time when Joshua's true leadership was being honed. And then the next one that I looked at uh, was Naomi and Ruth. And I absolutely love the book of Ruth. It is such a beautiful uh, example of an older woman interacting with a younger woman. But I really call Naomi a reluctant mentor because (laughs) at the beginning of that um, chat or excuse me that book in the Bible Naomi didn't want Ruth to come with her and you know and it's understandable Naomi had been through some devastating experiences and she wanted to go back to her own people and she didn't want to have to take care of Ruth and all of that uh, uh, that would go with that Uh, but Ruth showed such dedication to Naomi that she agreed to take her with uh, with her and as you, the book unfolds, we start to see that Naomi teaches Ruth what is culturally acceptable to be a Hebrew woman and what she should do and not do in order to win the heart of Boaz. And it's so beautifully written. And they, these two women honor each other so much. Even the way Ruth honors Naomi in her grief, it's just a beautiful picture for how we can work together even when we're having difficult times. So the takeaway, I think, from Naomi and Ruth 
is understanding that even if you are reluctant or nervous or in a difficult place yourself, in the long run, you merely can benefit a great deal. And so can the woman that you're mentoring benefit a great deal if you just stick it out together. Hmm. Beautiful. And then the next relationship that I saw was Mordecai and Esther. And uh, this truly is speak to the risk aspect that we talked about with the millennials, because this is a daring relationship. Mordecai's mentoring put Esther in a pretty darn precarious position. Now she, was, <laughs> she was raised to be the queen, and so that was great, but in order to save her people, she literally had to put her life on the line. And I think this is a pretty amazing relationship because Mordecai knew that it was the right thing to do. So when you are, or I am mentoring someone that is entering a risk type situation in which God is calling them, we can look to Mordecai and see how he said, no, I know that this is what she's supposed to do. However, she's the one at risk, but I'm going to sit back and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast on her behalf as well. And I'm going to stand beside her as she takes this risk. Now, I mean, not physically, but spiritually stand beside her as she takes this risk. Um, I experienced this with a young woman who um, has been called to Uganda as a missionary, and she's been in many precarious situations where her life wasn't on the line, but she didn't know it at the time. It just felt like a dangerous situation, but she knew that I was back here praying for her and helping her draw through, and she could feel the presence of the Lord walk her through those things. So that's what we can learn from Mordecai and Esther. And then we have Elijah and Elisha. Uh, these, these two, this relationship kind of cracks me up because I, I don't think Elijah had any love lost for Elisha. It wasn't a very <laughs> nurturing relationship. It was a more of, look, this is the way it is. You're gonna, if you want to follow God, this is what you've got to do. So just go be bold and do it. And Elijah, would, I would call him a bold mentor, kind of an in-your-face kind of personality. And there is a time and a place for that. I mean, it's not something I'm very good at, so I can't say that I've ever put this into practice. But Elisha knew because of Elijah's reputation, he truly was a man of God. So if Elijah said this is the way it is, then Elisha knew he needed to follow him. So he was very bold and upfront and in his faith. And, and in the end, Elisha uh, got many blessings from following what Elijah did. Mm. And then we have Elizabeth and Mary. And again, two beautiful women who I have read and reread the short little bit of uh, scripture in Luke 2 that talks about the two of them and their interaction. And this was really an encouraging mentoring relationship. And I love that when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's household, Elizabeth immediately said to her, confirmed to her that the child that she was carrying was truly the son of God. So what an amazing experience for Mary to know she heard God, to see this miracle happening in her body, yet meeting a woman, a family member who was older than her, greeting her in a way that made her know she was on the right path. Because again, 
Mary also was in a very risky situation, but Elizabeth was there to walk her through it. And Mary stayed with her until John was born. So she saw what it was like to go through the uh, tail end of a pregnancy. She saw what it was like to deliver a child. And she also saw the naming of this child who would be such an important part of Jesus' life later on. So that was a very encouraging relationship. And I think a very necessary relationship for such a young woman to go through something like this because it would have been very difficult. I think Mary could have done it alone because she knew she was called, but what a blessing to have someone walk through it with her. Yeah, on this one, Leslie, it's amazing to me to think of how God uh, did that because, and and it's also the one that seems to me the most uh, obvious of how God puts these relationships together. He yes. takes someone that is older, that is a little farther down the road with him, that is uh that has something in common with this younger person um, and yet is in a position to be able to uh, be wisdom to them, to mm-hmm. help them with the practical aspects of things as well as the spiritual aspects. And, you know, I, I, I always think of the things that they had most in common was bad timing. From their perspective, you know, <laughs> Elizabeth's baby's coming way too late and Mary's is coming way too early. You know, and they just had this... They just had this kind of life challenge that they shared as well as the amazing gift to be chosen of God to bear these babies. And I think that that's what, in, in mentoring relationships that really work well, well, it seems like there is something like that. There is a shared pain and there is a shared joy that we can look for and watch for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really wonderful with Elizabeth, too, being in the and that she was and her husband being who he was, she could have been jealous that Mary was carrying the Savior instead of her. But instead, mm, she rejoiced so with Mary. Yeah, I had never really thought about that, that she could have been jealous. And that's, that's yeah, interesting, I, but she definitely could have been. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And then the last, uh, two, there's two more relationships from Scripture. The next one is Barnabas and Paul. And we don't really see that Barnabas and Paul had a mentoring relationship, yet Barnabas gives us a really good example of being an initiator because Saul, who, turned in, who became Paul, came into uh, that group of men who were sharing the gospel, and most of them, were not only did they not trust Paul, they were terrified of him. And Barnabas was the first that kind of stretched out his hands and said, you know what, you can come with me. And then Barnabas and Paul traveled for quite a long time together until they had a parting of the ways. But what's really interesting about that is you have to look at the courage and the um, trust that Barnabas showed in the Lord by reaching out to someone that really had killed their friend. Well, more than just one friend, but a lot of their friends, and um, brought them kind of into the inner circle of friendship, which was very brave. And I think what, for us, we look at that relationship, and that might be bringing someone in that looks very different than we are. Maybe uh, someone covered in tattoos or coming from a uh, more 
difficult background or maybe they dress edgier or they look like they might be um, not the kind of person you'd hang out with, yet you share Jesus with them. So it's our responsibility to initiate with them. Hmm, that's great. And then, of course, the last one that we see in Scripture is Paul and Timothy. And this is actually where I started because one of the women that trained me said you should always be on the lookout for your Timothy, meaning that if mm-hmm. you're in a position um, within a church serving in a certain uh, role, uh, you should always be looking for the next person that could come in and, and take your position, not because um, – you're going to leave, but because we always want someone else to step in if something happens to us and that continues that process. So that relationship between Paul and Timothy is that of teacher. Um, Paul, along with uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, taught Timothy's scriptures from a little, little tiny boy. And what I love about this relationship is uh, Timothy also was, of Greek heritage, he wasn't Jew, so it was kind of bridging that gap um, into the Gentile world for Paul as well. And he taught him some of the way Christendom that he had to follow, but then he told him what he didn't have to pay attention to as well. And he just encouraged him from a very young child. It is Paul that says to Timothy, do not let anyone uh, look down upon you because of your age. And I think that's something that we need to remember when we're encouraging mm-hmm. younger people, that they are capable. They are the church of now. They're not the future church. And they are capable of all sorts of ministry and leadership and whatever calling that they have now. They may not have the experience, but they certainly have the enthusiasm. Mm, love it, love it, love it. So before we go to our break and then come back for three critical questions and considerations, Mm-hmm. Um, just to recap of this, Moses and Joshua, uh, Moses was teaching leadership or mentoring leadership. Naomi and Ruth, uh, there was a culturally acceptable behavior being taught there, Mordecai and Esther to be brave, to risk it. Elijah mm-hmm. and Elisha, a bold, confrontational, more directive type of a mentorship relationship. Elizabeth and Mary, the encouraging relationship. And uh, Barnabas and Paul, be brave. And Barnabas and Timothy, Uh, Sometimes the relationship, the teaching relationship. We're going to take a break and come right back and talk about the three critical questions to ask before you get started. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Right now at womenspeakers.com, you can take it to the next level with online training, including specific instructions, tips, and strategies to increase your knowledge, skill sets, and earning potential as an author speaker, media guest, manager, women's ministry leader, or event planner. Pick your area of interest and get going today. The training sets at womenspeakers.com include over 24 modules, each 60 minutes long, focusing on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular field of interest. You can purchase each set individually or join to gain instant and ongoing access to them all for one low price. Get online training today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. 
Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we are nearing the conclusion of our program here with Leslie Schoenfeld on the topic, How to Invite, Engage, and Inspire 20-somethings. If you're just joining us, you'll want to go back and listen to the archive from the beginning. So much great stuff here. Leslie, in our last few minutes here, let's talk about the three critical questions and considerations to ask before you get started with a millennial. Well, I think the most powerful question is, do you want to impact the next generation with one-on-one relationships. Uh, Looking at that particular question, you need to understand that if you impact one person, you are impacting everyone that they know for the kingdom of God. And it's a ripple effect. So understand that even though you may be meeting with only one or two young people, you are doing a great impact. So ask yourself, are you willing or do you want to impact the next generation with one-on-one relationships? Then you also have to ask yourself, are you ready to make the personal, personal commitment of time and prayer? Because there's the time you meet with them, but there's also that time that you're praying for them. And depending on what they're going through, you could be uh, a questioner for them on a regular basis, or it could be intense intercession, depending on what they're involved with at that time. And then finally, are you willing to put up boundaries that will self-protect so that your mentee knows you are not available 24-7? And I think as women especially, uh, we get into that nurturing mode, and we think of them as our own children, and when my kids were little, especially, you were there for them 24-7. And if my kids now were in crisis, I am there for them 24-7. And you may have someone that grows into that kind of relationship with you, but it has to be on your terms, and you have to make sure that you let them know how much of your time they can have ahead of time. So think about that ahead of time so you have a plan in place you can present to them. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, there are so many, even older women, but uh, so many of our younger women are so hurt. They have really had traumatic uh, childhoods that uh-huh. leave them very, very scarred and uh, really what I would say very needy. And without these, without this willingness to set these boundaries, uh, what happens is that there's a reversal, like you were talking about how um, Moses kept telling Joshua, the relationship is with God first and then with me. And mm-hmm. that's, where the, that's where the problem can come in, is when we actually step in and begin like taking the place of God in someone's life. And that sounds like it would be impossible to do because we're not God, but at the same time, that is a risk that you run when you are taking on too much responsibility in any relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on the uh, reverse side of that, too, it's important that we remember that our own worth is completely in God and not in our um, acceptance by this generation or our success with any part of ministry. It's always we're a child of God, and that's where our confidence comes from. We don't have to perform in order to be good 
I guess is the best way to put it. So when we reach out to these young people, we do risk being rejected, but that's not a reflection on who we are. It is just simply not the right time for them. Well, and I mean, parenting is just kind of uh, multiplied up a little bit because the reality is that some of us can uh, take parenting to a level it was never meant to be where we become mm-hmm. to our children. And then, mm-hmm. you know, later if they would choose a different path or whatever, uh, we can't handle that because they have to do it our way. <laughs> we have too much invested. And the reality <laughs> is that adults, adults have to be allowed to make their own choices. And yeah. when you come into a relationship, even with a needy adult, um, they still they still have to be allowed to make their own choices. And one of those choices may be to reject you. And that's mm-hmm. when we you know run those run those hurts back to Jesus. And you know he's he's the he's the wound healer. And so that's where we can always have confidence that no matter what happens in these relationships, that we always have Jesus and whoever we're mentoring always has Jesus available to them, whether we're there or not. Amen. Hmm. Leslie, this hour has flown by. Um, if people went over to dragonflyministry.com, what will they find there? Well, they'll find um, my events page, which talks about the next upcoming event. They'll find a book page that talks about the two books that I've written. And then they'll find a, a blog and devotional page. And that is there for them to find encouragement um, and strength, and hopefully meet the Lord as they read through uh, some of my reflections and share some of my um, uh, not so perfectness. How's that for a word? (laughs) 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 And just how the Lord has met me there. Right. Well, uh, I think the vulnerability is so so important. Yes. And and my role as a dragonfly woman is to help learn to be confident connected to God and to one another, and caring for the next generation. And why do you call your ministry Dragonfly? Oh, my goodness. Well, that goes back to uh, when my children were little, and my son used to catch dragonflies and bring them to me. And uh, if you look at a dragonfly, it is not a very pretty animal, and it has, <laughs> but it has these very delicate wings. And those wings are translucent and beautiful. It's kind of like us. When we're left to ourselves, we're not the greatest. But when we get the the quote-unquote wings that God gives us, we learn to fly into what he's called us to do. Mm, That is beautiful. Well, I'm so grateful that you could be with us today. Thank you for joining us, Leslie. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And you guys, thank you for being here. Can't have a radio show without listeners, and we're always so grateful for those of you who join us live during the program as well as those of you who listen to the archives and at the stations around the web. Uh, We're going to close off this program today, and we'll see you over at uh, dragonflyministry.com. That's Leslie's website, or mindmarnie.com, or we'll see you here next week on Wednesday afternoon. As always, have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.